Let me greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a blessing to hear the the, the testimony of of believers in their walk with God and the experience of God's presence in their lives and and God's grace and uh, just how God continues to be faithful at all times. It 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 befits the righteous to to be thankful. To, to be thankful at all times, to live with an attitude and a, a posture of thankfulness before the Lord. That is because we, we live that way because we live a life in the grace of God. And if you understand what that word grace means, it, it means undeserved favor. So we live in the favor of God which we do not deserve every day and so it, 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 it should our hearts should well up with, with thankfulness before the Lord, amen I just want to help you even this morning as we go to God's word, open with me to Psalm 103, we, we look at the psalmist here, David as he stands before the Lord with a posture of thankfulness as he wrestles with his soul to be thankful before God. Psalm 103, we'll read just one, verse 1 until verse 5. And my title this morning is very simple, Count Your Blessings. Count Your Blessings. Psalm 103, 1 to 5. Let me read, follow me as I read from God's word from verse 1 to verse 5. From the ESV, it says, of David. It's a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you? with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And this is God's word. Amen. Indeed, Lord, you are to be worshipped. Even as the Lord in, 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 in the disciples' prayer teaches us that we are supposed to come to you and say, Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. It is the cry of our hearts even this morning that your name will be hallowed in us and through us. God help us to shape our minds according to what your word says that we will be people that are forever thankful before you. May your name be honored. May your name be glorified as we dive into your word and, and, and just look at the psalmist and even look at our lives in application to that. Help us, O oh God, in the precious name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. I was relieved um, to find out that I'm not the only one who forgets things. Everyone does that at one time or another. According to Karen Bowler, 
a John Hopkins um, researcher. Uh, she mentions a couple of things that are, are easily forgotten, things that slip our minds. And, and these are some of the things that people often forget. People often forget names, right? You have met someone a couple of times and now you are even embarrassed to um, call them by name. And because you are in the Christian church, you have that word brother or sister uh, to, to, to compensate for forgetting the name. Or secondly, people forget where they placed something, where they put something, right? Um, or keys, uh, remote, uh, wallets. We, we are often uh, forgetful of those things. So thirdly, we forget phone numbers, especially when we need it the most. Um, we forget phone numbers. Sometimes we forget words, um, especially me, because my English data bundles, they deplete very quickly. And when I speak, it, it, very, it depletes. And I'm thinking about a word. Um, I forgot that word. We, we forget what was said, right? Uh, when, 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 when I'm trying to explain to you the conversation that I had with someone else, I, I, I forget the, the exact words that were said, and oftentimes I paraphrase and to, a, to a point of even misrepresenting what they said. Sometimes we even forget faces, right? You, you, you meet someone at a mall and they come to you, they're excited, and you looking at them like, who is this person? And if you can remember whether you've just done something today, you join 38% of the population. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that to forget is human. It is the universal malady of every individual in the world. We easily forget. And the tragedy about this forgetfulness is that we, we also forget things that we are not supposed to forget. Right? We forget God's goodness and faithfulness in our lives. This is seen when we face difficulties in life. Instead of responding by trusting God, what do we do? We despair. We, we complain. We, we become anxious. We, we question God's love and we question God's goodness. We question if God is truly there with us. These responses indicate that one has lost sight of God at that moment. We, what we need at that moment is a good dose of truth to bring us back to our senses. As the hymn writer says, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And here in Psalm 103, verse 1 to 5, David does just that. He counts his blessing before the Lord. The, the psalm is classified as a thanksgiving psalm. The, the psalm begins as a prayer of an individual, but eventually the individual speaks on behalf of the community. Although we are not told what was the occasion that brought about the writing of the psalm, we can sense from the psalm itself that David was at first filled with distress and self-pity. And to remedy that, he addresses himself with the knowledge of God. He, he does what many theologians say. He preaches the gospel to himself. Oh, how much that is needed in our time. That the psalm 
as, 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 as we look at, is, is based, David bases this on what God has done for him and, and who God is. He, he remembers this and, and calls and draws himself, exhorts himself to praise the Lord. The psalm has three divisions. From verse 1 to 5, we see a personal praise. From verses 6 to 18, we see a national praise. And verses 19 to 22, we see a universal praise. But for the sake of um, um, uh, uh, what we do now, is um, we're going to face, uh, focus on the first five verses. In other words, when we think about this passage, the, the best of Christians need a reminder in life's most trying times. Roy Clements explains that David here is cataloging the goodness of God, enumerating his blessings, lest in a moment of depression or backsliding he should forget the source of his prosperity and take God's grace for granted. And John Stott says this. He says, we have here the authentic utterance of a redeemed child of God who piles up the words to express his gratitude to God's grace. This section, verses 1 to 5, is divided into two. First, we see the call to praise. Secondly, we see the reason to praise the Lord. Let us look at the call in verses 1 and 2. The call to praise the Lord. Look at verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. This section begins with one of the most well-known phrases in the entire Psalter. That the phrase that is translated here, bless the Lord, is, often, is oftentimes misunderstood when people, when we, when people read it. The reason behind this misunderstanding is based on the word bless. Because in, 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 in the English um, language, the word blessed is often um, understood to refer to rendering a gift or to a benefit to another person. And so when we come before the psalm and read the psalm and say, bless the Lord, we are often faced with a conundrum or, or a, 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 a problem of saying, how can I render a gift to the Lord, right? Because we cannot render a gift to the Lord. The Lord does not need anything before us. We, we cannot render a benefit before the Lord. And so we we've often misunderstand this psalm. But we need to um, translate this word blessed as it is translated from the original. The, the, the word blessed comes from the Hebrew word barak. It is a term that carries the sense of declaring God to be the source of blessing. And thus should be translated as praise or worship. So this is how we read verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. With these words, the psalmist steers praise within himself to God. It should be noted first that he call, his call to praise is made not to a crowd of people. It is not made to a crowd of worshipers. He's not calling the nation first of all. He's calling himself. Even though it serves as motivation for the worshiping community, first and foremost, he exhorts himself to praise the Lord. 
this brings out the truth that that the most influential voice in your life is your own voice. It is like a radio that does not have an off button, right? And the frequency never changes. It is always on the station of self, on radio self. From the moment you open your eyes in the morning to the moment you go to sleep at night, it is always there. That voice is always there. Whether you have a quiet personality, you have a quiet disposition, or you are an outgoing person, that voice is always there. The thing about this voice is that it can be a toxic voice. It can be toxic when it is not shaped by a biblical perspective. When you fall into sin, it tells you to keep quiet, right? To, 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 to hide it, to conceal it. When you, when you go through difficulty in life, instead of, of opening up to the community that God has placed you in, graciously placed you in, it tells you isolate yourself. Be by yourself. It tells you to isolate yourself from the community of God, and that's how it becomes toxic in your life. Because this voice cannot be removed, it is best that we shape it with God's word, with God's truth. That whenever it speaks, it will be so plunged into God's word so much that, 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 it will, that the word of God will be a driving force of our meditations. Let me just digress a bit um, and, and press this point even harder. When we talk about meditating, there is no single individual in the world who does not meditate. The question is not, do you meditate? The question is, what do you meditate on? Right? That is the question whenever we talk about meditation. And so when, in, in this area, what we need to do is shape our minds with the word of God. That means spending time immersing ourselves into God's truth so that our meditation will be pleasing before the Lord. And this is what the psalmist does. He, he calls his soul to praise the Lord. The word soul here can be understood by the parallel in, in the next phrase. He says, and all that is within me. So he's talking about all his inmost parts. The, the idea is that praise should be rendered to God without holding anything back, but to commit our entire being to him. This is what Luther called body and soul, eyes, ears, and all limbs and sense, reason and all faculties to act in praising God. We are a society that is obsessed with self, that seeks to elevate self above everything else. The, the, the word self-esteem has become so common that it has found its way into the Christian vocabulary, right? We don't see anything wrong with self-esteem, to esteem the self high, right? It is not so strange anymore to hear a preacher exhorting his congregation to develop self-esteem or, or self-love. 
right? This kind of thinking suggests that your purpose in life is to seek above everything else your happiness. I see this a lot of times on memes, on Facebook, on Twitter, where people say, love yourself above everything else. And, and, and that from Christians, that is not biblically accurate. The, the purpose of our existence is, as the Westminster Catechism says in the first question, that, we, that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Uh, that is the very purpose for which God has created us. So, 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 to, so, so this call to praise the Lord is essentially a call to look away from self and, and to focus all the attention on God, right? The, 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 the psalmist is calling his soul and saying, there is one who is majestic, there is one who is beautiful beyond description there is one who is worthy and and in order to see that one you have to look away from yourself and look to him we waste our lives when when our lives are not geared towards praising the lord psalm 33 verse 1 says praise befits the upright this is the right occupation of the upright it is the very purpose for which God has created us to praise, honor, and worship him, to glorify him and enjoy him forever. If this is the occupation of the righteous, then why do we neglect it so much? That is the question that we need to ask because we do neglect it so much, right? We neglect to spend time in, in praising the Lord, to, to spend time thinking about the Lord. Verse 2 gives us an idea. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The, the psalmist exhorts his soul to not forget about the Lord's benefits. The, the, the problem is here. We, we neglect to praise the Lord because we forget the benefits of the Lord. Our minds hardly dwell on the Lord, right? We, we, we hardly dwell on the Lord's ways. We hardly dwell on, the, on who the Lord is. We hardly dwell on who, what, what God has done for us. We, we neglect it. We forget it. And, and the psalmist here exhorts himself because he knows that this, this is the universal malady of each and every single individual in the world, forgetfulness, that we are forgetful. And so he reminds himself, he, he calls himself, he uses the negative instead of the positive. He doesn't say remember, he says do not forget, right? Do not forget the Lord's benefits. Moses says to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 8 verses 10 to 15, as, as, as they are about to be led into the promised land, listen to what he says to them. He says, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full, listen to this, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your heads and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord, your God, 
who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He says, lest things turn out well for you, do not forget the Lord. Right? You see, the problem with humanity is not pain. It is not pain. It is not trial. That is not the problem. The problem is prosperity. When all things are going well, when, when you don't lack anything, we forget the Lord. We hardly focus on the Lord. We want the Lord when things are not going well. We are crying out to the Lord when things are not going well. But when things go well, when the wind of prosperity blows on your sight, you forget the Lord. We pray for God's blessing in the church. We enjoy God's blessing in the world. Take care lest you forget the Lord. How do we do this? How do we do this? How, how do we take care lest we forget the Lord? By recalling his goodness in our lives, right? But by doing what we were doing, just testifying of his goodness, praising the Lord, remembering, reminding ourselves, which leads us to our second point, the reason to praise the Lord, verses 3 to verses 5. Here in these verses, we, 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 we see clearly that praising the Lord is motivated by who God is and what he has done in our lives. In other words, praise exists for the purpose of theological witness. This praise is birthed through, the through, through a meditation on the Lord's continued faithfulness in the life of the psalmist. In these three verses, he charts the character of the Lord by, by means of a series of five parti uh, participles that shows God's active work in his life. He says, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Look first, he mentions thankfulness for forgiveness of sin. And he rightly starts at the right point here. Because there is nothing greater than knowing that your sins are forgiven. There's nothing greater than knowing that you are a recipient of God's grace. Right? There's nothing that beats that. Psalm, think about Psalm 130, verse 3 and 4. It captures this idea very well. The psalmist says this. He says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities... Oh, Lord, who could stand? Who could stand indeed? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. The, the, the implication here is that no one would stand before the Lord if he were to mark iniquity. If he were to mark our sins and, and count out our sins, nobody would stand before him. Thomas Watson says about God that God is more willing to forgive than to punish. Mercy does not multiply in him than sin in us. Mercy is in his nature. The, the bee naturally gives honey. It stings only when it is provoked. 
David knew very well. He knew this very well, right? Last week we looked at Psalm 32 and his song of rejoicing before the Lord, of, of being forgiven of his sins. He experienced the forgiveness of God when all he deserved was the wrath of God. Even in the psalm, he extols the forgiveness of sin. Look with me in verses 8 to 10. He says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Oh, praise the Lord for that. Nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. Look at verse 12 again. As far as the east is from the west, so far has the Lord removed our sins from us. No one can express thankfulness before the Lord better than a sinner that has been forgiven by God. Secondly, he's thankful for healing of all his diseases. James Montgomery Boyce says regarding this verse, listen very carefully, he says this verse has played an important but unwarranted role in some systems of theology that stress what is called healing in the atonement. Meaning that if we have been saved from sin by Christ, we have been healed or have a right to be healed of any physical affliction too. This is bad theology because it's simply, uh, it is simply not true that those who have who have been forgiven for sin are spared or have a right to be spared of all diseases. Believers do get sick, and many passages teach that God has his purposes in sicknesses. So what does this verse mean, really? When, when David says, who forgives all your diseases, what does it mean? Many theologians suggest that David here is referring to spiritual sicknesses. But I don't think that is the case. I don't think it, that is the case. Listen carefully and don't run out of church when I say this. I think that David is referring to physical diseases. And he's referring to all physical diseases. Then what does he mean then when he says, God heals all your diseases? Three things should come to mind when we think about this verse. First of all, miraculous. Secondly, providential. And thirdly, eschatological. Let me explain. By miraculous, I mean that God is able to heal all diseases miraculously, though that is not always the case, right? We know that when God is not healing a disease, that means he's teaching us, he's strengthening our faith, and he's working in us uh, 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 to, uh, and preparing us for glory. And by providential, I mean that God works through medical practitioners through medicine, right? Whether it be herbal medicine or Western medicine. I don't mean uh, 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 traditional healers. I don't mean uh, sangomas, right? I think this word is now popular. Uh, I don't mean sangomas. I mean herbs, right? herbs that we, we take from the ground and, and medicine that has been uh, uh, you know 
made uh, in the lab. And God uses those things. It, it does not mean that God is absent in those things. God providentially works through medical practitioners. That is why when we pray for Pastor Carabo's surgery, we are praying that God would work through those medical practitioners, right? And by eschatological, I mean in our glorification when we are in heaven. As God's word promises that in heaven there will be no more pain, right? No more sickness. In other words, what David is saying is that God heals all diseases miraculously, providentially, and eschatologically. Thirdly, David is thankful for preservation of life. Preservation of life. The, the particle here when you read in, in, in verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit, has a sense of God's protection. Right? It is, it, he's referring to God's protection. It speaks of God as the one who redeems our lives from the pit meaning death, the, the grave, or, or hell. There's so much to be thankful in, for in, in, in this aspect. The, the fact that God has redeemed us through Christ when we were heading to hell is a cause for rejoicing, right? It's a cause to stand and, and rejoice and praise the Lord. Again, for his continued protection on a daily basis. Personally, I can look back, even this year, as some of the things my wife and I have experienced. And, and when, when I look back, I see the fingers, the, the, the fingerprints of God um, all over uh, those events of life. As the, as the Puritans say that the providence is like Hebrew. You read it backwards, right? We, we look back and see what God was doing and how God has been with us. We experienced a total of four tire punctures. One in the evening when we were in Jobek. You know what Jobek is like. One on, on the highway when we were, we were driving 120 kilometers. And, 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 and some other ones. We experienced three breakdowns. And in all these, we experienced the peace of the Lord as it ministers in our lives. And I thank God for my wife, another item of thankfulness. I thank God for my wife that even in those circumstances when I am tempted to, to, to be afraid, my wife would sing sweetly to me, singing about the Lord's presence, the Lord's goodness. Guide me, oh thou great Jehovah. I cannot forget that. She, she, she just starts singing, guide me, oh thou great Jehovah. It should ring in our minds when we look at things that we faced. Maputi has just spoken about an incident that could have turned out really bad, but God has protected her, right? God is with us always, at all times, in all conditions, and we need to be thankful and see the hand of the Lord, right? Preserving us in all circumstances, God protects us in, in ways that we do not even realize, in ways that we do not even see. So we need to be thankful for his care. Fourthly, 
he is thankful that the Lord crowns him with steadfast love and mercy. The, the, the psalmist here declares that God crowns believers with steadfast love and mercy. By using the word, who crowns you, the psalmist is signifying how God honors his people. He, he makes them feel like kings. So by crowning them, he, he fits them to reign. And to do that, as, as one of the commentators, Peron, says, he, he weaves the crown out of his own attributes. The two words in the text here are well-known divine attributes of God, right? Steadfast love and, and, and mercies, right? In creation, God imparted these attributes to people so that, like him, humans can show love and compassion or mercy to each other. And in redemption, God restored what was lost and enabled the redeemed to share in his righteousness, to, to share in, 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 in this mercy, in this love, to experience it on a daily basis, right? Uh, the, 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 the word steadfast love can, can, be, can, be, can be translated stubborn love. Uh, uh, that is a colloquial translation. It can also be translated faithful love. It can be tra translated unending love, a forbearing love. It is the love of God, right? Finally, he thanks God as the one who provides good things for us so that we may be strengthened. The whole of verse 5, he says, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? God satisfies with good things. He satisfies your mouth. The, the, the word translated mouth in this text it has an unusual word. It's, it's an unusual word. Many take it to mean desire, which is a fairly good interpretation. And one of their commentators prefers your ornament as a, as a figure of the soul or, or life. But that does not seem to work as well when you read the, the, the passage. Mouth has a good sense in this context. A, a general reference, it's a general reference in one's life, in, 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 in the life of a believer that he satisfies your mouth. In, in any case, the point is understandable here. God satisfies with good things, right? Things that enhance and benefit our lives so that we may be renewed spiritually or physically. We, we enjoy God's blessing without even seeing that we are enjoying God's blessing, right? We are enjoying the, the, the freedom even now of worshiping publicly. We, we're enjoying the, the freedom of coming together and, and sharing a meal together, the meal that will sustain our bodies. We hardly think about those things that God is working in us. He's sustaining us. He's renewing us, right? And what we need to do in those kind of moments is wait upon the Lord, trust in the Lord, and he renews our strength, Right? We know we, we lose our strength. We, we become weary. We become tired. So, so many times before, I feel tired this year. I, I think I'm, I'm at the point in, 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 my, in my body, uh, uh, whatever measuring thing, I don't have a word for it. So you can understand my, my introduction, right? Uh, I, I, I feel tired. I feel exhausted. I feel, uh, but I know that the Lord is the one who renews us, right? He, he gives us rest at, at night. He gives rest to his beloved. Just think about some of those things. We, we hardly think about the fact that I slept 
you know, for those hours that God has given me. That, that uh, we, sometimes we just need pain that keeps us awake through the night, and then we'll realize the importance of sleep. Right? We often neglect these blessings. We often forget the Lord's goodness in our lives. We often forget to count our blessing, and this is what the psalmist does. He, he counts his blessings. He remembers what the Lord has done in his life. And, and let me remind you personally what the Lord has done for you. I'm going to read from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. Listen to what uh, uh, um, Paul says. He says and in chapter 1, verses 3, Praise be to the, to, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with all spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is how we count our blessing, number one, even as he chose us before him, before the found, in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, that the blessing of election, the blessing of being chosen by God. And secondly, he says, in love, he, he predestined us for adoption as sons through, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, that the blessing of adoption into his kingdom. And again, he continues to say, in verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, the blessing of redemption, of forgiveness of sin. And in verse 11, he says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, the blessing of an inheritance in Christ. We we. we Rejoice together knowing that we await an inheritance that will be revealed for us on the last day. Do you have something to thank the Lord for? Do you have something to rejoice about? This is it. Amen. Indeed, Lord, how can we forget? Yet we do forget. We, we forget your many, many blessings in our lives. Forget your forgiveness of sin. Forget your healing our diseases. The fact that you chose us before the foundation of the world. You adopted us into your kingdom. You redeemed us. May we never forget, oh God. May we be people that are always coming back to you. Just even speaking to one another about God's love, God's grace, God's faithfulness. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.